The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI, Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. Anteater Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. Good morning, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm Janine, and I love that track. That was off Legends of the Ukulele. Uh, Let's see, Hawaiian Masters. That was track one, Nanoa, Round and Round. And um, let's see, got a great show. Kicking off the first half is Brett Blumenthal. She's standing by. She's called in from Charlotte. 52 Small Changes for the Mind is her book, How to Improve Memory, Minimize Stress, Increase Productivity, Boost Happiness. Brett Blumenthal is joining us. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. I love the title of your book, and I read a little blip about it. And uh, how did you decide to write this? Well, I was fortunate enough to write another version and sort of test it out. And people love the concept of 52 small changes throughout a year and hoping to reach a bigger goal of a larger change. Um, and when I sort of polled my past readers, they all seemed to really feel that mental well-being was an area that they could really afford some help with. <laughs> right, right. Sure, sure. And as I mentioned, I mean, the theme of my show is Get the Funk Out. And the reason being is because I'm always fascinated by how some of us pull ourselves out of such a you know rut and can figure it out and others unfortunately can't and I think it's really interesting I know I shared with you I've gone through some personal stuff and it's like I kind of have a formula for what to do and you know get myself out of that it's great that you have one because I don't think a lot of people do you know and I think we start we go through life struggling Mm -hmm. to figure out what's going to make it better and sometimes having that formula probably is really helpful It is, but I'm always looking for new ideas. So can you share some tips or some ideas from your book? Sure. Well, the book is, as we said, 52 Small Changes for the Mind, and it focuses on mental well-being as a whole. So Mm -hmm. everything from improving memory to minimizing stress to increasing productivity and concentration and focus, and finally, of course, boosting your happiness, which we all all want. Yes. And so, you know, the changes, uh, there are 52 of them, but I'm sure there could be many more as well, Mm -hmm. um, focus on all those areas. And so I have a few favorites, of course, that I find personally really helpful. Um, But I think each person is, as as we all know, are individuals. And so what works for me more than somebody else, you know, could be totally different. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't want to be too boring, but I do think the most, one of the most important things for our mental health is sleep. <laughs> oh, oh, it's true, though. It's true. It affects so everything. True. 
Yeah, I mean, I actually went through a little bit of a bout of insomnia probably, I guess, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't clinical, but it was definitely one of those things where it was getting very annoying right. and I was not sleeping well at all. And it totally impacted all areas of my life and happiness <laughs> fell dramatically as a result. So um, that's one change that I talk about a little bit in the book. Mm-hmm. And I talk about ways to sort of get more sleep. And it's not just the quantity, but the quality is really important as well. Right. You know, it's interesting. I have this rule in my house. Um, I, I tell my kids, you know, no phones in your rooms. They have to go off at a certain time because mm-hmm. technology, even for adults, I find that if I'm like looking at email or reading articles at night, I'll yeah. wake up a few hours later and my, my mind's kind of alert and it shouldn't be. Right, right. Well, that's definitely one of the things you're, I mean, having sort of a ritual before bedtime is really great. And one of those things is to turn off all devices and electronics. It's not only the stimulation mentally that you're getting, but the light that, that these different devices emit is a different kind of light than natural light or even just incandescent light. It's kind of stimulating. So having those kind of turned off at least an hour before bed is great. See, I use it as a different strategy. When I'm exhausted, I have one eye open in the morning. I'll check my email then. <laughs> I know, like, I do too. <laughs> and the light's blinding me. <laughs> it's insidious, it's, it really is. Oh, it's nuts. It's nuts. But, you know, um, one thing that has helped me um, is, is moving, walking, exercising, and music. Because there's mm-hmm. so many, obviously, there's a gazillion types of music, and just trying to get yourself out of that place you are in, you know? Yes, yes. And music is one of the habits I talk about that actually does all of the things that we just that I just mentioned. Um, it, it, it has an impact on all areas of your brain, so it can boost memory. They've done studies with dementia patients to see that um, people who listen to music, Alzheimer's patients who listen to music, can actually stimulate their memory, which is fantastic. That's I mean, great. it's amazing. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, you know, there's some people who, if they listen to certain types of music, can find that they're much more productive than, you know, either no music or other types of music. And then it can invoke lots of different emotions, as we all know. I, if I listen to anything from the 80s, I get this flood of emotion and oh, no. <laughs> memories <laughs> from, like, high school and junior yeah. high school. Right. <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> that is funny. Um, I, I know. I find that, you know, we're talking earlier about uh, lack of sleep, you know, affects your mood. I don't know if you have kids, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's so important to your immune system, your mood, everything. And if you're not in a, a, a steady schedule of, you know, sleep and exercise and eating right, obviously what you eat definitely affects you too, then you're th- completely thrown off. Oh, absolutely, and I do have a child, and I I call myself, like, the sleep crazy person because <laughs> I have, like, the blackout shades, and <laughs> I do everything to the white noise, but I do find that when he gets the sleep he needs, he's, mm-hmm. like, an amazingly good child, and then when he's off his schedule, it's, it's a lot more challenging, yeah. so I believe in... At all ages, it's important. Yeah, that's just like me. I I call. I tell my husband, I'm like Cinderella. Like at a certain time at night, I'm like, I'm done. I have to hurry. I'm <laughs> turning into a pumpkin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, could you share with us some uh, 
tips for people? You know, they're starting the new year. Maybe they're, you know, switching careers. They're in some type of funk. Um, ideas to shift their mindset. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we get really caught up in the day-to-day, and it's hard to um, focus and or, like, devise a plan of action because of it. And so taking a I, – I, the first – the first thing I prescribe is journaling oh, yeah. because it's really important sometimes to get out of your own head and to mm-hmm. do that sometimes just writing things down, even if there's no real form or, you know, or just like structure to what you're writing, just getting it out all on paper can help you clear your mind so that you can really start devising a plan right. of action. Right. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of benefit from an emotional perspective, too. You can work out problems that way. Um, sometimes it's like more therapeutic than actually going to It is, therapist. right. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, taking that moment to do that is really important. I think if you are looking to make some larger changes in your life, um, I have, I, I talk about making lists and the importance of, you know, not just the journaling aspect of it, but really helping you sort of put, you know, a plan to things by creating lists for certain areas of your life. So mm-hmm. let's say, like, we just moved into a new house, and so trying to get anything done when you're, like, living out of boxes oh, <laughs> is always it. a challenge. Oh, right. So, you know, creating a plan through lists can be very helpful. So if you're looking to make a change, like uh, potentially finding a new job, you know, finding a way to write out all the things that you need to do to make that happen is really important. And, of course, setting goals is always an important aspect as well. And when I talk about goals in the book, I talk about smart goals that are not S-M-A-R-T, but S-M-A-R-T-E. Oh. And um, I don't know if you've heard of this, but smart goals are, it's kind of a standard that's been talked a lot about. And have you heard of this before? No, I have not. Okay. So SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T, stands for uh, a kind of way of setting goals, S being um, specific. Mm Mm-hmm. So you want, you want them to be specific, M being measurable, so you can actually see if you're making results, A being actionable, so setting a goal that doesn't really have anything you can put in action to isn't really helpful. Okay. Um, R is for being relevant, so relevant to what is important to the matter at hand, and then T being timely, so setting a time limit of some sort. But I find that a lot of people make goals or set goals that don't really, they don't really resonate with them. So like, for instance, if you are trying to lose weight, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're setting a goal to lose weight, but there's really no emotional investment in it, Mm -hmm. then that goal is potentially going to be falling flat very quickly. And so finding an emotional connection to whatever goal you set is the E that I prescribe. I say that you really need to feel connection to your goal so that it motivates you, it keeps you motivated. And so if losing weight from a very prescriptive perspective isn't really doing it for you, finding an emotional connection to why losing that weight is going to be important is going to be a much more impactful way of setting a goal. You know, it's, and so, yeah, go on. Uh, I wanted to interject. I have struggled with, um, and I've gotten through this, but being an emotional eater. So if I wanted comfort, I was sad as a kid, you know, I'd reach for the Burger King and the whatever. And trying to figure out when you're hungry, are you really hungry or are you mm. eating emotionally? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, absolutely. And so, I mean, <laughs> the, the eating perspective of change is like a, a whole science unto itself because all of us eat and overeat for different reasons. We do it for emotional reasons. Sometimes we do it for stress, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's like a whole discussion unto itself. But right, right. getting back to the goal, you know, trying to really understand the emotional connection to the goal is really important. So, for instance, if you have children and you are really overweight and you know that losing weight is important because your doctor's telling you, you know, tying it to maybe a more emotional side where maybe it's you want to see your grandchildren, you want to see your children graduate from college or whatever whatever right. can make you feel more emotionally invested in your goal is going to help you sustain the motivation for it. No, that's great. You know, you talked about a notebook and jotting things down. That You could be talking about, you know, your eating goal or whatever it is. I find that having a notebook, even a little one in my purse, whether mm-hmm. you're traveling or it's in the car and you have a few minutes, you know, not while you're driving, um, but, <laughs> you know, you pull over. And um, especially flying, I've, I've written so many things in the past four or five months because uh, I had to go out of town and really long, just pour my heart out things. And it's, it's, great. it's so, so cathartic. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, sometimes we get, the, I don't know, do you ever find yourself where your mind's racing and you can't even make sense of what you're thinking because there's so many thoughts in your head? Yes, yes. So the journaling helps you sort of, and list making helps you sort of kind of put a little bit more structure around it so it's a little bit more logical and right. comprehensive. Right, Yeah. And and the nice thing is, there's no right or wrong. I, I took this great class when I was younger, and my teacher always says, there's no right or wrong answer. Just write whatever comes to you. That's exactly right. You know? That's exactly right, yeah. So what other things? Um, you know, I have never been really big into it before, but I am learning as I get older the importance of it. Um, and it definitely has a huge, there's a huge movement around um, meditation. Oh, yes. And so um, a lot of people find it very sort of intangible and, you know, strange and overwhelming. But I try to sort of emphasize that meditation can be very, very simple in that you can do it anywhere at any time. Um, And it can be as simple as just taking a few really deep breaths in, um, and of course, exhaling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holding your breath, your turn below. Yeah. <laughs> another way you can do it is just using mantras to get yourself through stressful times. You know, mm-hmm. like for instance, I'm the worst in traffic. It doesn't matter if there is traffic or there isn't traffic. I always think there's traffic, <laughs> <laughs> and it's always in my way. That's so funny. you know, trying to like come up with a mantra for those stressful moments and just repeating them to yourself can diminish the stress greatly. That's really so, you know, finding yeah. ways to meditate that, that works for you um, can be very helpful with stress management and sort of even coming up with, like, if you're trying to think through things, clearing your mind is mm-hmm. what meditation does. So allowing yourself to take that moment to clear your mind, to sort of re- hit the reset button can sometimes get you through some of the challenges that you face during the day. And, you know, I talked about music earlier. I listen to yoga music sometimes, whatever, if it, I'm, oh, in yeah. that, I'm in that mood. And that kind of helps you. I mean, sometimes it can make you a little emotional if you have a lot on your plate, but it can definitely 
help you focus in and kind of clear the garbage out of your day. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Back to the music thing, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Super helpful. Um, you talk about, there's a chapter, Take a Whiff. And there's a yes. short history of aromatherapy. Could you talk about that? Yeah. So actually, people are like, well, how did you start, start sleeping better? And it was through, it really was through aromatherapy. I tried acupuncture. I tried <laughs> a variety of things to try to get back to normal on sleep. And um, the beauty of aromatherapy, that too, you can do almost anywhere at any time. Um, and there are different scents that really can work. Um, for different things, you know, so if it's trying to relax, you can use um, a scent like lavender, for instance, that can really get you sort of in a relaxation state. Um, There are different scents for energizing and for um, getting more um, focused within your work. And so there's so many different scents that you can use it to, like, whatever it is that you need in the moment. So let's say I want to get my kids up in the morning. I just walk in the room and spray a <laughs> scent or something. <laughs> it's to get out of bed um, and energize yourself. <laughs> what is that so scent, by the way? Yeah. What is the scent for, for energizing? Like, yeah, energizing, waking up, you know. Yeah, so citrus is usually good, grapefruit, a lemon, um, patchouli can... Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not a big patchouli fan, either. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> peppermint, rosemary, um, cypress. Have you, I mean, like, if you take a whiff of, like, pine don't you feel like that kind of does something to you yes i love that yeah so um ginger can also be really great for that as well that's good no it's um i i get this lotion it's lavender lotion and i'll put some on my neck and i notice my daughter will do the same thing like just the scent of trying to calm yourself and um you know get ready for bed helps yeah absolutely absolutely we have um my son has bad has eczema, mm-hmm. and I also noticed that he was taking some time to fall asleep, and so I used the same stuff that I was using on my hands, mm-hmm. which is, has lavender in it, because my hands get really dry in the winter, um, on him for bedtime, and he started falling asleep much more quickly. Oh, that's good. Where, yeah, so. may, may I ask, where's the eczema? Hands, arms? He tends to get it, he's only two, so mm-hmm. it's kind of in the traditional spots that a lot of two-year-olds get it. It's yeah. usually in the, like, the cracks of his yes. elbows. Yeah, I got yeah. that, too, when I was little, yeah. And in his wrists, he gets them on his yeah. wrists a lot. Um, it's interesting. I suffered from eczema. There's a lot of, like, hidden ingredients that trigger eczema. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We took him off dairy completely, okay. and that made a huge difference. That's good. But he, you know, and he eats a pretty whole foods diet, but it's like every once in a while he'll have a little flare-up, you know? Right, right. So, but yeah, it, dairy is a big trigger for that. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I had a dairy allergy, and I spent most of my life mm. with, with eczema issues, and uh, it's amazing when you eliminate things, mm. um, sure. how much better you feel. Um, I'm just curious, what is your background that led up to writing this book, I and mean, was this something you always wanted to do? So, it's actually my fourth book. Oh, wow, <laughs> congratulations. Um, and I, you know, it's funny, I was a, um, I, I, my career has taken a windy path, but while I was in um, architecture school, mm-hmm. I'm an architect, um, I actually was an aerobics instructor, so I practiced mm-hmm. aerobics or taught aerobics for years, mm-hmm. and when I left college, I continued teaching, and I just really had a passion for wellness, mm-hmm. and so 
um, when I went back to business school, I sort of focused on the wellness industry and the spa industry and trying to understand sort of the business of wellness. Okay. And uh, over time, it took a while for me to get there, but in 2009, I left my um, job at the time, and I was writing sort of on the side, and I had a nice little following, and I decided, you know, I'm going to try to make a, a real thing of this. And That's so great. I wrote my first book, and then it kind of went on from there. That's great. I love yeah. how people have different chapters in their lives. I mean, here <laughs> you were an architect, and um, was it hard? Like, were people saying, what are you doing? What, what, you went to school for architecture, or you didn't get that, maybe? Yeah, no, no, I got. I still get it because I have another business <laughs> that oh, I'm doing. Wow. I'm an I'm a wildlife artist, so Look at you. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of all over the place. And there are people who get that, and that there you have different you know for talents and yeah. passions, and that it's okay to sort of find ways to make them all kind of work in your favor. Yes. And then I would say, you know, going to business school, it was you definitely go with a lot a lot of people who have sort of this one passion that they're focused on and mm-hmm. they tend to do that one thing and they look at you like you have, you know, twenty arms and <laughs> ten legs or something. Right. <laughs> and they don't quite understand it, but, you know, everybody is an individual and make right. they have to do what, you know, works for them. So I think I struggled for some time having so many different passions, and then I realized that fighting it wasn't doing me any good. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I'm the same type of person. Like, you beat yourself up like, what is the matter with me? I'm all <laughs> over the place. I'm, am I out of my mind? But then you think, no, I just have all these interests. And sometimes it stems from your childhood. I mean, I went to Montessori, and I loved all the little creative ad- endeavors when I was little. And and then you have all these different experiences, and you don't feel like you're the type of person to do this one thing in life. That's so funny. I was Montessori, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and my son is now in Montessori, so I guess we'll have to see what happens with him in 20 years. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I think... They're the creative, creative people in general, I'm guessing you're a creative, you know, it's mm-hmm. hard to just focus. I, I always look at people who are like lawyers or doctors, and I, I mean, most architects, I guess, would be this, like this, although they tend to be more creative. Mm-hmm. I'm in awe that they have spent literally their whole life dedicated to this one profession, you right. know? Right, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I wish I could be like that, but I also think that I, I enjoy, like, the constant change. Right. I agree. I agree. I actually, when I was um, 23, I was working in training and development. I had come out of graduate school from Syracuse. That is so funny. And I I felt it was boring. It wasn't for me. And I was always trying to come up with some creative thing that was different uh, to go against, like, you know, designing workshops because I thought yeah. that was not my thing. And, and I would be doing games and newsletters and and it just became obvious to me uh, that it wasn't for me. And then I became a freelancer, and I, I just ended up leaving the field. It just wasn't my thing, and I didn't want to beat myself up over it, you know. Kind yeah. Of so, I spent yeah. some time in um, consulting as well, and I was then I ended up being in change management, which oh, focused funny. on training and development. Oh, <laughs> so I feel like you and I are one and the same. That is funny. Uh, yeah. Wow. So where can people find your book? Um, they can find it pretty much anywhere books are sold. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you can go to Barnes & Noble. Um, it was, it's, it's in Urban Outfitters, actually. So, okay. um, 
you know, most stores have that there, and uh, clearly Amazon and, you know. Okay. And so. uh, I have to ask, because I didn't, uh, what are your other books you wrote? So the first one I wrote was called Get Real and Stop Dieting. Oh, I love it. And it was, I, I mean, it was a very short book, but it, it back in the day when I wrote it, 2009, so it's, it's old at this point, um, you know, it was before we learned so much about gluten and so much that has come out in the last few years, but it really focused on eating a whole foods diet for oh, the most great. part. That's great. So, um, although I don't, I definitely say whole grains are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get, I get into the more of the fact that you should focus on whole grains and not refined flours. Right. Um, although a lot of people have even problems with whole grains. So, okay. um, and then the second book was 52 Small Changes, and it focused on not just mental well-being, but it was physical well-being, so nutrition and fitness and also your environmental well-being. So how clean are your products that you're using in your home and on mm-hmm. personal care? Um, and, you know, are there any toxins that you're bringing into your, your lifestyle through those products? And then the third book was called A Whole New You, which is a book about personal transformation. So you were asking some questions about that. And um, a, lot of, a lot of people who are making larger changes that's a good book for mm-hmm. and then the last one clearly 52 small changes for the mind wow i i'm i'm amazed at your journey i think it's really cool oh well, thanks you know? thank you very much it sounds like your journey's not very far it's off <laughs> not really except i've written four books um but i've written some things i just need to kick myself in the pants and finish them already um so do you have a website that people can uh, check out? Yeah, I sure do. Um, it's You can either go to brett-blumenthal.com and find out pretty much everything that there is about me, mm-hmm. um, but specifically for my wellness stuff, it's sheerbalance.com, S-H-E-E-R, balance.com. That's great. And uh, any last bit of advice for people starting the new year that are feeling a little funky? Yeah, well, so I think what's important, and the book is really about this, is that you really need to understand that any major overhaul really isn't something that happens overnight. Um, If you are looking to make any larger changes in your life, taking bite-sized pieces of that larger change is really going to set you up for more success. Um, and, you know, it feeds our need to succeed. So yes. <laughs> if you think about, like, taking one step at a time, if, in, if, for instance, in this book, journaling is the first change that I prescribe, right? Mm-hmm. If you can, for a week, do that, you're going to feel more confident and more motivated to take on the ne- and more excited to take on the next change because you feel like you conquered that first change. Right. And so being able to you know, take any change that you're making and sort of break it down into smaller pieces, I think will set most people up for more success than if they try to do it all at once. And I think the gym craze in January that falls off quickly by February is a great testament (laughs) to what I'm talking about. Absolutely, it sure is. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for calling in, Brett. And if you're ever on the West Coast, let me know. I'd love to meet you. Oh, I would love to, too. Thank you so much. And um, if you have any further questions, feel free to write me. Or, I mean, if anybody on your show has questions, bblumenthal at sheerbalance.com is a great way to get in touch. Oh, good. All right. Uh, We're going to wrap up, but hang on one quick second. I just want to talk to you offline, and then um, I'll be back with my next guest. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks. Bye-bye. 
That was Brett Blumenthal calling in to talk about her book, 52 Small Changes for the Mind. If you missed any part of the show, we'll be up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with my next guest, Steve McDonald. He's going to talk about his beautiful coloring book for adults called Fantastic Cities. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out.